From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjoe Gall. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our topic for today is building data and analytics-driven culture. The guest is Somesh Nigam, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Analytics and Data Officer with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Hey, Somesh, how are you? All right. How are you, Sanjo? Very good, sir. A beautiful morning here in Chicago. And uh, how's Louisiana treating you? Louisiana is beautiful, too. I can see outside. There's no cloud in the sky. Beautiful weather. Awesome, awesome. So the reason we got together is because, uh, you know, in, in the digital era, as we know, we are all trying to move at 100 miles an hour, trying to touch and or change or optimize every possible uh, nook and corner of our organization. And as we are doing it, we know we would need data as the underpinning or the support of data and analytics, because that goes without saying. But then, in order to make digital successful, this foundation itself should have, uh, should be put properly, which means you've got to build a culture which will help drive, whether it's innovation or operational efficiencies or even strategy and execution, you name it, everything should be driven by data and analytics. That's the should. But without having a proper culture, without having your customers, your employees, your partners, or any other entity, or even including your management, if they don't adopt it, then it will be a wannabe uh, effort versus, and then there will be a lot left to be desired. To, to, to make this happen has been an interesting challenge, and to some, it's been a chronic challenge. We wanted to discuss and dig deeper, and no better person than someone like you who's living it, and I'm assuming you're being made in charge of not only tackling the analytics and data, but also to support building of such a culture. Am I correct? You're absolutely right, yeah. I think, I think uh, uh, just look at this, that uh, we now have a title in many of the organizations, and the Costa Shield of Louisiana is, is an early leader in that, uh, a title called Chief Analytics and Data Officer. This is a new title. It uh, recognizes that data and analytics um, is central, is core to company's strategy, um, as well as, um, you know, the journey, to your point, is not just creating a large warehouse or anything like that or getting a few cool analytic toys, but actually making the organization into an analytically advantaged organization, which means that whatever insights we gain have to work in driving the business across, across different functions. Um, and that requires new way of thinking. Uh, I mean, you obviously realize, Sanjog, that what we are able to do now with uh, new era data and analytic technologies is uh, a leap, a huge leap uh, beyond uh, having a data present in multiple silos and some uh, retrospective reports, etc. So it also allow, uh, causes business and functions to think uh, with uh, their thinking caps on, you know, what if. 
Uh, and that that itself is a change in culture. So I would say it's actually um, uh, sort of almost a circle. Uh, people begin to think, uh, and, and many of us are exposed to um, new analytics in, in our consumer space. I know when we uh, run a Google query or uh, buy a book on Amazon or, or uh, you know, listen to a song on Pandora or what have you, we, we are experiencing the, the cutting-edge AI and, and data uh, processes behind the scenes. And we start thinking that what if I could apply some of the same things in, in my organization? Uh, why can't I predict diabetes if I can predict the book that I like? Why can't I predict the best care pathway for a patient um, if I can predict, um, you know, how to go from point A to point B uh, on a GPS, etc.? So a lot of people have already been thinking, but tools and processes uh, in many of the organizations are still uh, the old era um, static uh, data, data marts and, and reports. So as new and new technologies are brought out as proof of concepts, uh, people get excited and they say, well, if you can do this, uh, you know, I can perhaps apply it to my area as well. So I do think there's a syner- synergy that, that you get. Uh, people start thinking about uh, new possibilities as you bring new technologies and proof of concepts in the organization. Folks get excited, and then it, it starts creating a wave that that then becomes unstoppable. So I think I think all of it can happen uh, if it's appropriately uh, implemented, communicated, and enough excitement is built about uh, the potential of these new data and analytic technologies. Um, and we finding it becomes it becomes fairly organic if you do it right. Now, if you do it in a silo and in one corner of the company, and it was it leads to you know a few cool powerpoints or something, and then it dies out, then of course it, it, it won't thrive. So, so uh, it, it's much like you know creating a garden and tending to it. So, to your response, a couple of things that you mentioned about um, us trying to play with the data or people like yourself who appreciate that what the possibilities are. But then you have to, uh, you, you are not able to be able to do this if the people at the leaf level, which is at the operational level, don't say that it's my responsibility to help create clean data. Or, or be the guardian of my data, which essentially rolls up, and and they neither have the incentive, or uh, they would they would say, okay, unless it is part of how I'm measured, that's something which I'm gonna do because it is the, I'm just gonna generate data, but the quality aspect, which is what yes. becomes critical, doesn't happen, and this has been a challenge because of which MDM failed in the yes, past. Yes, yes. And even yeah, now, yeah. you're going to have other struggles. So how do you, I mean, you can go and do all the yeah, cool things yeah. in digital. How do you handle yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, let me divide your question into two parts. So the first part really is what you refer to folks at, the, um, at an operational level. Do they feel um, excited about it or not? And I actually would say that they do. Um, all of us are experiencing digital revolution in our lives so, in fact, we find some of our greatest ideas come out from the line level uh, who, who really are looking at the processes very closely and ask this question, uh, what if I, you could change something? Now, clearly, um, 
the data data that you need to drive that change needs to be of certain quality. And I would I would say, Sanjog, that it needs to be different quality uh, at different quality levels for the kind of things uh, that you are targeting. Clearly, a financial report that has to go. Uh, for um, the board meeting or for quarterly earnings release needs to be exactly tied um, uh, down to down to the decimals to make sure it's accurate. However, uh, many of the decision-making processes we are trying to build uh, and apply with data and analytics are what I would call probabilistic. We are trying to assess the probability of an event happening. So, for example, if we are trying to figure out in our world who is likely to be hospitalized in the next 30, 60, or 90 days, we're really trying to assess the probability. Is it 70%, 80%, 90%, right? Processes like that also can take a lot of uh, less than pristine data. So you can actually get, so for example, we found our customer service calls and our... um, uh, calls into care management appropriately digitized with word clouds and so forth. So very probabilistic here, right? Can actually feed into struct, uh, be combined with structured data that we have and together the two uh, with appropriate AI algorithms can predict who is likely to be hospitalized. So, um, you know, the, 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 uh, you mentioned MDM, that probably has the highest quality standard, right? You obviously have to manage your master data management to, to pristine levels. But then a lot of other data sources that don't have to be uh, at that level, you know, data derived from social media, data derived from calls. But what we find is as we recognize multiple types of data, join them appropriately together and run them in these AI algorithms, uh, you know, the results essentially give you a very high probability event, which we can act upon. And that's really what the, the whole battle is. How do you improve the signal-to-noise ratio so that what you are uh, going to address uh, is not, uh, they're not false positives there, and it is really a, a relevant signal, whether that's signal around disease, whether it's signal around complications, whether it's a signal around impending hospitalization or a signal, uh, you know, about uh, cost escalation. Uh, it could really be anything. So based on what you just said, yeah, no, I mean, definitely makes sense. Now, the thing which you mentioned is signal to noise. Now, this relevance of um, uh, the output of that more, the probability of that being a signal versus a noise, to some extent, is also directly proportionate to what you put in. And what do you really Mm -hmm. focus on? So the the two-part question that comes up, number one, can we realistically work on literally everything that gets generated and put it in a hopper and somehow try to manage it? And then secondly, what is the quality of where it gets generated? And you you are right about it that we will be able to only control so much as it goes in. But then how do you prioritize your efforts, your energies, your dollars, so that at the point of entry of data into that engine, if you will, you're ensuring that you've done the best you could to have the best possible data quality is produced for the most useful type of data. Right, 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 right. No, you're absolutely right about that. There's absolutely a data hierarchy. And, and you know, first of all, um, a very uh, uh, mature uh, 
data governance operation, working together with um, uh, all the folks who are collecting and warehousing the data, whether structured or unstructured, is required. And a lot of these issues get discussed, at least in our governance process, which is not a bureaucratic process of cataloging um, data sets anymore. Of course, that's all part and parcel of it. Um, rules by which we will act upon, of course, in our healthcare world, HIPAA and related rules, those play a big role. Contractual obligations play a big role. But uh, increasingly, the question is about value, right? What, where, what value we are trying to create, and in order to create that value, how will business processes change using data and analytics? And, of course, in order to deliver that, what data domains are needed and at what level of quality? And once you answer those questions, you actually can set up processes for that. So, for example, if we are driving something with our claims data, that has to be highly accurate. This is highly curated. This data uh, drives our business. But then data coming from social media signals will be, will be more fuzzy. Uh, and that adds probability of events, for example, right? So we, we end up creating many um, data domains within uh, our, uh, what we, and, and uh, because we share Louisiana, are beginning to call data excellence program. And all of these data domains work together uh, to deliver the value uh, at the end. So, um, I hope that clarifies a little bit, right? I think if you if you keep your focus on value, and value is almost always driven by corporate strategy, right? Corporate strategy defines where we are going, how are we going to create value. Then in order to create value, what are the drivers for that value? In order to then deliver on those, uh, what, what type of data and analytics and business process is needed? So all of these are very integrated, and most companies don't have that culture uh, of integration across functions, across uh, uh, different business areas to deliver value. So going back to your original question, uh, when you start on your data and analytics journey, it's, it's not a technical journey. In fact, technical technology pieces, uh, a relatively small piece of it, it's really a culture journey. And that allows you to then, then drive value. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And and this response that you gave was very thorough, and it does bring up some important points. You did mention that the, the, the business has to set parameters on where does it want to create value and let everything flow from there. Now, how about us trying to even break that mold of business somehow from somewhere will create the definition of how it's going to create value? What if the data and analytics, that engine itself could start giving them the insights, which could then drive the strategy, the innovation, and the operational efficiency. So could we, and in order for us to do that, we we do not have anything else to bank on or a throat to choke, if you will. That means something has to happen far before business even says, this is the place where I create value. So how do you, it's it's like a catch, catch 22, How do we tackle it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Predict your company's future by creating it. 
Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Somesh, the question about business telling uh, from their ivory tower that this is what we want to do and rest of the world starts following, perhaps that is getting challenged or, or the business at the top is recognizing. In fact, I had a show where once someone mentioned that lately in a financial services firm, they have one of the board members is actually an algorithm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. that right. is, yeah. yes, so, so imagine when, and, and the reason they are bringing it because we cannot definitely counter somebody's years of experience and the fuzzy thinking that human brain allows, but at the same time, we cannot undermine what data science and data engineering and these algorithms are allowing you. So if we were to fundamentally break the mold of saying, let us have the whole organization be driven or at least be empowered by data and analytics, what prevents us from doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think think it's a journey. And what you were describing about, uh, you know, an algorithm being part of the board and so forth, uh, it's clearly the even today with data science it appears to be a father of science fiction. Having said that, most of what we thought was science fiction uh, a couple of decades ago has come true. So wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But where we are in the journey, and I'll I'll give you some specific examples. It, it is incre- it increasingly happens as you bring a, a data and analytics. Uh, cutting a data analytics culture into an organization that while the first round of um, uh, suggestions as to where analytics can be applied come from business areas, um, unexpected nuggets come out of your analysis that they were not even aware of. So I'll give you an example. We had worked on, a, in my past life, a model to um, predict complaints, customer complaints. Mm-hmm. And it 
seem logical that, uh, you know, complaints uh, have a pretty significant impact on your business in many, many ways, right, including reimbursements and incentives and so forth. So um, it, it seems logical that a person just doesn't escalate a complaint uh, on the first go. They call once and their issue doesn't get resolved and they call again and it doesn't get resolved and after two or three frustrating events, they they escalate the complaint. It may also depend on what their age is. It may also depend on what what, um, particular issue they're dealing with. Um, It could be that someone has more complaints in, in home health setting versus versus, say, in a hospital setting. They maybe have complained because they were unable to fill their prescription. It could be many, many things, right? It could, of course, depend on their their uh, economic level as well, so what they can afford versus what they can't afford. So it's a, it's a complex problem. We said, well, let, let's try to create an algorithm where we'll predict complaint. The idea was that if you can create a hot list of people who are likely to complain, our customer service folks can get to them ahead of time and solve that complaint. So we will get an advanced signal who's going to complain, and certainly certainly that will go a long way in improving um, uh, the quality of our service and the customer experience. So we went ahead and created a model using a whole bunch of variables, including customer service calls and all that. And indeed, we were able to predict 70% of the complaints often weeks before they happen. Uh, in fact, there are many examples that where we could predicted even a month to sometimes two months before they happened because we could see that escalation. Very successful. We implemented a small program, had a team that started calling these folks and tried to solve them and, in fact, saw a dramatic reduction in complaint escalations. So all great story. However, in that process, we found all these nuggets that business wasn't even aware of. There was a particular uh, event that I remember where... um, a, a person's name popped up. Actually, a person's name popped up as one of the variables automatically through the algorithm. Uh, if I were to just say it's an agent Heidi. Well, agent Heidi uh, was somebody who uh, was solving a fairly complicated set of problems, and there were a lot of complimentary messages about her. Well, this is something that nobody has visibility to, right? They could now go to this agent, Heidi, and ask her, out of hundreds of agents who we have answering phones, what is it that she is doing that is different? And what type of problem is she solving? On its own, there would have been no visibility to either their managers or, or uh, senior levels as to what was the problem. Now, by, by looking at it, we were able to solve it. We also found, for example, very... Um, uh, sort of uh, examples that our uh, certainly customer service management wasn't aware of. We found certain towns had a much higher complaint rate than other towns, for example, for similar background. Uh, we found that certain types of uh, equipment, durable medical equipment that was delivered at home, um, had much higher complaint rate, right? Now, you know, people get delivered with durable medical equipment, such as, you know, it could be wheelchairs, it could be respiratory equipment, it could be other type of support equipment at home. I mean, some of those are harder to manage and, and, and they have a lot of complications. Others don't. So think about it. Now a signal is getting generated that can feedback that, you know what, we don't want that type of wheelchair or we don't want this type of uh, diabetes monitoring equipment because this is prone to more complaints. So you end up getting, I mean, if I can just give you an example, you end up getting a lot of signals that were completely hidden. Now once those signals come out, 
it will logically make sense. Do we now create and form our business to go and solve these problems, right? So this becomes very much like what you said, an algorithm advising the business. So it started out with business advising us that there are complaints, and now algorithm is advising the business of what to fix and how to fix that, right? So this type of uh, uh, sort of insight uh, becomes pretty prevalent, and you start finding more and more such examples. Now, will it reach to a point at some point within our lifetime where literally there is a member of management or a board sitting there who is actually an algorithm? Um, it might, right? It depends if really in the end um, uh, uh, assimilating a lot of complicated information and finding those nuggets and advising as to what's the right course. I still uh, am a firm believer in human ingenuity, and I feel that human intelligence uh, 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 could um, uh, the just uh, you know could you could you create a, a, a Monet or a Chagall? Uh, you know that question keeps on coming up. Where where is uh, innovation and that spark of innovation? Can that can computers be taught uh, to to have that? Um, you know without ha- being rule bound. So it'll be, it'll be sort of an interesting journey that we both get to watch in our lifetimes. No, totally. And, and to your, uh, the, the example that you gave about uh, getting better in handling complaints and be predictive, did you just use the data that was already floating around or did you actually prompted this to be an organization-wide initiative where the people at the on the front line gave you some additional data or you started capturing additional data so it enabled you the insight which you were not having earlier yeah no no it was clearly data that was being brought in now if you were to say data right the customer service calls get recorded and uh, and and if if you are lucky they will be uh, transcribed and you will have the transcription available um if not, there at least will be customer service uh, notes that will be there. Uh, all of those get typically archived, especially unstructured portion, are uh, very hard to uh, analyze. So we essentially created a process where we brought all of this unstructured data in and started analyzing them via algorithm. What do words mean? Uh, what what uh, really says somebody is upset? Versus not, and it's a complicated problem because you realize that there are two con- conversations going on: there's a member calling and a customer service agent responding. So you have to separate those out. Now, member, someone would, could be calling on someone's behalf, and that could change things. We found fairly interesting patterns. You found, uh, for example, uh, in a product that was meant for the elderly, uh, you found interesting. Uh, you know, when people started using that product, uh, insurance product, there were a lot of complaints, and the complaints went down as people became used to it. Then as they aged, um, uh, you know, their kids got involved uh, in their care, and the complaint rate went up because now kids were uh, trying to learn the new system and the process and trying to take care of their mom and dad. So it was an interesting U-shaped curve. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you do get all of these interesting insights, and to your point, you end up using... Uh, data that you otherwise um, don't consider data. I mean, there's also a lot of data in the temporal relationships, how often someone calls you, uh, what is the frequency, is that frequency getting escalated, um, uh, is a call to care management also happening at the same time as a call to customer service. 
that can be a signal. Now, typically, we won't analyze all of that. We may be, int- may be able to intuitively find a few variables, but if you end up doing machine, applying a machine learning approach, you would create thousands and thousands of derived variables. And within those clusters, you will find insights, which you could then present to a uh, business person, be a clinician or a customer service person or someone who's managing the operation to say, well, this is what we're finding. This is correlated to, to higher complaint rate. Do, do you see this? And sometimes they're able to scratch their head and figure it out, and sometimes they're not. So, uh, you know, a uh, lot of it is based on these hyper-correlations, if you will, right? Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, let's talk about the challenges, because I'm sure when you came in, Samesh, uh, it would not have been fully cooked like the culture of data and analytics, and I'm sure you're still working on it. So what do you think are the typical challenges faced in building uh, or starting out and then building this culture? Let's stay tuned, uh, please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore this further. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sanjay Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So while we've discussed what you were able to do, Samesh, in your organization, when you came in or when you were tasked with uh, doing this data and analytics-related effort or taking this on, what are the typical challenges you faced or what you've seen other people facing as they get started? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the key challenge is that traditionally organizations have been organized in a very siloed manner, and in fact, on a day-to-day basis, we are finding that to move the needle on anything, be it a new product, new sales, new innovation, new way to manage health, uh, multiple business functions have to collaborate within the organization in order to make that happen, and. Typically, whatever you're trying to make it happen is a data and analytic-driven decision. So in some ways, 
we are already on the curve to not only integrate business processes but also the data underneath to to allow uh, that to happen. But the old habits die hard, and there's still uh, almost every organization, whether it's a CIO or a CDO you talk to, will talk about multiple data marts hidden away in the organization, things on people's desktops, uh, you know, little uh, nooks and crannies with access databases here, something like that, a lot of data duplication. And uh, and you, then you find, of course, that leads to confusion, right, uh, and doesn't give you the right answers. So one part of the culture change is just that. That's a, that's a huge challenge, and that's what we are trying to um, sort of tackle through data excellence program at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana. What we found is that we did invest heavily in enterprise data warehouse capability using cutting-edge technologies, and in fact, that was adding value. But what we uh, found did not change is that it, it was a bit what our CEO often called, if you build, they will come strategy. We had we build it, we assume everybody will recognize that, and they'll start connecting their processes to this pristine source of integrated data. Well, that didn't happen because, as I said, old habits die hard, uh, and we still have a a smattering of individual data marts lying all over the place. So this particular strategy that we have launched is to retire, uh, first find, and then uh, uh, retire, have a plan to retire those marts and link everything to a a well-governed source of data, which we are now calling single source of truth for the company. So that's a journey that we need to, we are on, and that is a huge challenge, and I would bet that many of the CDOs deal with that. Now, uh, if you have uh, pristine sources of data, uh, does it all have to be in one warehouse? Some organizations may find that uh, there can be several such sources, uh, a handful of them as long as they're governed, appropriately governed, and uh, serve as that single source of truth for for that data domain. So that can be done as well. But um, going ahead, the, the folks who want to make a change. You can create the best algorithm in the world, but if you don't have a business process um, change mentality and process, uh, and kind of uh, culture, uh, the algorithm will catch, collect dust, right, on the shelf. So, for example, if we were to create a process which identifies with high accuracy who's going to be hospitalized in the next few weeks, uh, well, the clinical management will have to change their process. Right now, they call a certain percentage by risk scores, and that's their process. Now they have to create a separate unit. They have to specifically call these folks who may not be calling in. You have to um, have some of your best people talking to them to figure out what their issues are, and you need processes to solve them, which means it requires a business change. Change is always hard, and uh, you have to make sure that we build a culture uh, of change, uh, to, to make it happen so that when analytics folks come up with their next best thing and they're standing at the door of business and say, hey, you need to try that, um, there should be equal amount of excitement on the other side. Or for that matter, business people come up with their great idea and they come to analytics. We need to come up with the best way to solve that problem. So that that's really the building of the culture. And I think, uh, it, uh, to your point, uh, that, that is perhaps the biggest thing we struggle with on a day-to-day basis. How do we continue to create that culture? Um, one, one thing that you mentioned, uh, we do have an innovation process 
uh, that we adopted in our company. It, in fact, it is run by a senior executive. All of the senior executives are involved in that process. And the idea there is to try to nurture innovation all across. It could be via a variety of proof of concepts. It could be by bringing a new idea. Often they are not data-driven ideas per se. They are, well, what's the right thing to do? How do we improve customer service? How do we improve uh, our products? How do we create a better insurance product for a particular population? could be anything. Uh, how do we improve customer experience? So people come up with that. They get excited about that. And as they come up with ideas, when you start thinking about how to implement that, very often the journey goes through the data and analytics uh, channel. You have to kind of figure out how to get appropriate pieces of data in some manner to drive this new process that someone is creating. So I find that uh, one of the things that chief analytics and data officers can do is to uh, be tied at the hip with uh, the innovation uh, part of the company. Uh, sometimes it is uh, internal innovation. Sometimes it is in collaboration with major universities and academia. We are doing that here uh, in our neighborhood, working very closely with organizations such as Tulane and LSU and uh, other academic institutions so that we can get benefit of uh, um, new research and new ideas that are uh, incubating in academia. Uh, another way to do that would be to to uh, really have innovation challenges. Uh, we are very fond of things like hackathon and innovation challenges. You know, concentrated amount of time when you bring people together to work on a problem which is somewhat defined, gets people excited, uh, gets people creative juices flowing, and then that can lead to something big. So there's no one answer to this. But uh, but I would say all of these can play a role um, in changing the culture. Uh, but it's exciting times, and, and we do find that as we nurture these, um, lots of ideas came about. I mean, it's not a top-down process anymore. It's really the best ideas could come from any corner of the company or even outside. See, you mentioned uh, part of your response that you would like to have the business tell us what they want and or come on board. Now, when you start this journey of identifying what's important for them, may not always be, I mean, they, they will say that and they have an agenda because they feel that's important. But when you look at the complete enterprise perspective, you may not give it the same high marks as they are giving. And so on one hand, you have to take care of uh, a universal view of data so that it becomes a centralized data uh, creation and engineering and governance and analytics. But then that business guy says, if you're not going to take care of me and your your approach is not going to take care of my agenda, then you can literally kiss goodbye the culture that you're trying yeah. to develop because there'll be a passive resistance going forward. So how do yeah, you tackle yeah. this? Well, that can happen. I mean, I think one of the things I tell our analytics people, and in fact, we have changed, we're trying to change our HR uh, processes to make sure that folks are incentivized not just to create an algorithm or a report or a new um, uh, data model or what have you, but actually they get incentivized on changing the business process, which, involve, which requires then our analytics folks to work very, very closely with business, and in fact, that business outcome is what they are being uh, incentivized on eventually, uh, not just the path leading to it. Um, so, so that's in small way organizations can do. Another thing we have done 
is to create business relationship managers. And we've grown on that path. We've already uh, have a couple of them for our key business areas, and we are adding many more. Now, these are folks who are most experienced on our side. Sometimes they have actually come from business. And so they really know that, whether it's an actuarial or clinical or uh, provider networks or sales and marketing, they, they have deep understanding of those areas. And we assign them uh, as business relationship managers, and they literally sit with the uh, senior management team of that business leader. They are extremely familiar with the nuances of that business, and they can also manage this process. So, for example, if a business leader says, I need X, Y, Z, they actually can, uh, in a very respectful way, debate that and say, well, you probably don't need X, Y, Z. You probably need A, B, and X, uh, and that, you know, the other piece is really not important, and maybe we should focus on these areas. And it becomes a very collegial dialogue um, of give and take, versus, um, you know, a, a relationship where someone is telling you what to do and you are doing that, right? It becomes some very thoughtful. Um, so that, I, I found these folks who we call business relationship managers become sort of worth their weight in gold because they not only know the technology and the processes and algorithms and the challenges involved in it, but they also have deep knowledge of business and actually can, can um, uh, create this dialogue a thoughtful dialogue with business units about what needs to be done. Very, very useful for portfolio management. Uh, I, in fact, these folks, I don't even, we don't even have any operational responsibilities for them. Their job is to manage that relationship and, in fact, the entire data and analytics department's resources are available to them to make something happen. So, uh, so maybe that structurally, as I said, it worked very well in my past life and we're trying to institute it here. Um, there are other ideas uh, that that uh, can allow for better collaboration, um, but in the end, you know, we did talk about that originally. That things have to be driven by a corporate strategy, and we always keep corporate strategy in mind as we allocate our resources. Some areas are nice to have, some are business as usual, and others are really uh, driving the business to go to another place. Better in terms of quality, cost. In our case, a lot of it boils down to the cost of healthcare and, and, and quality, and how do you manage those two? And, and, of course, overlaid on top of that is our member experience. So very often it's referred as the triple aim, uh, and that's, that's what we focus on. Uh, so, so I do so feel the, that that helps us, yeah, yeah. Okay, so based on what you just said, uh, while of course there are all of the, those are pretty good ideas, you, you at the end of the day put a bow and tie, say, okay, all of this has to be driven by the strategy, and this is a structure. Now, if I were to come and try to have you go to the next level, would I not want to break that structure and say, let's do more experimentation, let's do more sandboxing? And let it not let not everything be just driven by strategy because that could be holding you back from finding or rethinking what's possible. Yeah, yeah. So rapid analytics is a key part of our strategy, and in fact, that does involve creating sandboxes and creating data marts on the fly, joining different types of data, and providing turning around analysis not in months but days. Uh, to give some type of uh, high-level uh, assessment. And those experiments sometimes can be done with uh, the help of analytics folks, but sometimes they are um, 
self-service. So we can take uh, BI tools that are not just reports, but in fact allow a fair amount of customization on a query and let the folks try to find their own insights. Um, so we, we truly believe that more experimentation you allow, better drill down on data you allow, better predictions you allow, uh, better what-if scenarios, in our case, predictive models that can tell you whether this strategy will work or not. Uh, you know, let's say we were trying to push for a certain medication uh, management uh, or, or medication adherence strategy. We can take a look at our data and see whether that has been tried elsewhere and try to find those cohorts, find a control cohort, and see whether that worked historically or not in that or not, and then see if that can be scaled up. So, so those kind of things need to happen at much faster scale. And in fact, we have set up a rapid analytics unit just for that. Their job is to provide analysis very quickly. Uh, we also have highly curated research unit, which does outcomes research that is published in top flight journals and can uh, inform policy nationally and, and talk about what New Cross Richard Louisiana is doing, et cetera. Uh, but that's at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, and in the middle, uh, of course, there's a whole bunch of activity, which I would call operational, uh, operation day, day-to-day operational support. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty critical. So please, thank you so much. Uh, please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the sheer volume or variety or velocity of data that's getting created as part of how we are tackling our business and living our lives. So whosoever is going to churn it and or manage it, whether from a data engineering standpoint or data science, data and analytics, how do we make sure that it's not getting out of hand? So people always say fewer things done better. So when we are going to go and keep branching out into 20 different directions, try to stretch people to the max and also burn out people and other resources, is this truly going to help build that culture of data and analytics when people are saying this is going to do nothing else but stretch me to the max? How do we prevent that from happening? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? 
Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, we are talking about the volume, the variety, the, uh, the velocity of data that gets created. And if we keep bringing it on, while it looks cool, it looks exciting, but then does that make a dent which will hurt, in a way, the, the potential of us building truly a culture uh, among the people, not just people at the top would be happy, but also the people at the bottom who are actually in the, in the field staff who are supposed to be responsible for this data creation. They should not be burning out. There should not be any burnout. How do we prevent that yeah. from happening? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is the sort of problem that, uh, as you know, that the, the leading-edge AI technologies were not built in, you know, uh, companies that were in traditional businesses, but they were built in places like Google, Amazon, Facebook, etc. And they uh, realized that, you know, there were no, uh, they had to manage gigantic volumes of data in real time and act on it and had to build a whole slew of technologies that um, automated many chunks of it, uh, ingestion and curation and, and then being able to automatically apply algorithms and so forth. So I think one, one uh, uh, answer to your question is that techno- technologically you want to make sure you're using um, things like Hadoop and Spark and, and new age uh, uh, technologies that work on those, uh, you know, R and Python, uh, et cetera, to be able to run those uh, in near real time. Uh, and we are doing quite a bit of that. In fact, the learning curve is pretty steep and, and we are, we are bending up to speed, coming up to speed there. The second part is that the data deluge has just begun for us. So whereas uh, a standard visit to a, a doctor led to a claim, which was just a few fields, now we are talking about getting data that could be their electronic medical record. We could be looking at... Uh, uh, some a call that they made. We could be talking about numerous conversations they had. It could also be data from their wearable devices. It could be coming uh, from uh, uh, home monitoring systems or or a you know health band that they are wearing, etc. So the, very quickly we can see the pathway where the data that we are collecting today, as large as it is, is about to become ten times larger and perhaps take another leap beyond that. So um, so there will be a data deluge. There's no doubt about that. And if we don't plan appropriately with technology, expertise, uh, and processes, it it can overwhelm you. So um, now, of course, uh, not all the data has to be treated the same way. As long as it is onboarded and you go to the right domains to look for uh, particular insights, uh, and integrate them. Uh, that's really where we are right now. Uh, but eventually, algorithms themselves will be scouring different data sets to find all of the patterns automatically, to your point, and we will be able to get those insights. So 
Uh, it's a journey. I think there will be a lot of, this will be a big topic of discussion at many of our upcoming uh, meetings and conferences, how different uh, CAOs and CDOs are dealing with this, uh, and, and it comes up a lot, right? Um, the One other part of your question was how do you incentivize and will it uh, overwhelm folks at the lowest level? And, and you have to be very, very, very careful about that, right? In fact, uh, it's critical to find, make sure that you don't impose a process upon people that completely overwhelms their capacity. Um, and, and how do you do it in a manner that is proportional to creating value? So in the end, every year we go to our uh, sort of board and ask for resources to do something. How, of course, that that ask is always balanced against the value you are creating. So if you are very good at not only bringing these processes, but also quantifying the value, I think that's something we should spend a little bit of time on, Sanjo. A lot of our organizations are very good at creating insights, but they are not great at figuring out their own value, and not just the initial value, but how that value is either sustaining itself, growing, or declining. So if we, if we create those processes, then the question is never of, do we need more people? Do you need this? Do you need more technology? What do you need? Uh, do you have this overwhelming volume of data coming in, uh, and, and I need the biggest and the baddest machines, etc. But it's all about, um, about value. If you're creating value, you'll be able to get uh, resources allocated to you that allow you to keep up. So I think if you combine it all, we, we can create a culture which grows, grows sustainably, and continues to inform the organization about what to do. Um, 30 seconds for you. Question. No, definitely it does. And uh, the one last question I have, 30 seconds for you. If you were to give a message to the other leaders who may or may not be wearing the chief data and analytics officers, but are responsible directly for building this culture, what type right. of leadership uh, they should bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, just like ages ago, we created the title CIO, and we, we, have, we are obviously talking to the CIO network today. It was with the recognition that all the IT infrastructure and databases and all that will overwhelm everything from desktop support to everything will overwhelm an organization, so thereby you need a CIO. I would encourage very strongly uh, identifying the leadership that can be under the name CAO, CDO, or in my case, it's, it's both together. Uh, but you, you do need that leadership. And if you can bring that leadership to your organization, uh, empower it. In our case, we are very, very fortunate that that initiative came directly from the CEO of the company, Steve Ugrahai, uh, who's a visionary and actually was on this journey many, many years ago, starting in early 2000s. So absolutely recognize the value of data and analytics and how that can change a business uh, uh, in dramatic ways. If you have that CEO-level support uh, sort of focusing all of that energy on one person whose job is to bring all of the data and analytics processes together uh, for the benefit of the overall organization, I think that's a key step. Uh, and I would say uh, uh, that would be my message back to many of my compatriots that... Uh, but just like we recognize CIO as a title, it's time to think and grow the CAO or CDO as a title. 
On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, uh, Sumesh, for sharing your views on how organizations can build a culture of data enablement and that data and analytics-driven culture and use it to successfully drive our strategy, innovation, and operational efficiencies. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Enjoyed it. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Got some nuggets from Sumesh. Please uh, like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog Gall, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Life is complicated and sometimes